You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This is episode 244 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Hands-On Gloves, the all-in-one revolutionary bathing grooming gloves. Horsemanship Radio is part of the family of the Horse Radio Network, and today we're going to chat a little bit about carriage driving, a little unique spot for us today. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer, Jen, with me today. What are you doing back there, Jen? Yay! I get to hear all about the red carpet. (laughs) Oh, you want to ask me about that? Okay. Yay! Well, we're going to chat with a guest today. Yes, we're not going to be guest-free, but... Before we get to our guest, who is a fascinating young lady from the UK who mm-hmm. is a Monty Robert, Roberts advanced student. Is that right? Advanced? Yes. Yeah. So she's, 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 she's well on her way to becoming certified and uh, does some driving, which is something unique. We don't get to talk about uh, driving too much on the show. Nice. But you guys went to a premiere in New York? We did in New York City. It was, Tell us um, what the premiere was and give me the, the, the rundown. All the stuff. Oh, gosh. Oh, I felt so out of my element, but it was really fun. And um, we we were invited to the premiere of this documentary that's like, I don't know, three or four years now in the making, it feels like. And it's called The Cowboy and the Queen. And so it's a documentary. But, you know, this this producer, director, Andrea Nevins, is such a visionary. She writes these things like a movie. You really feel like you take the the turns and the ups and the downs and everything, just like a movie, you know, as opposed to those documentaries where like, and we're watching the lion on the you know plane. And it's, it's not a documentary where you um, like a historical documentary or an animal one or anything. It really plays like the story of dad's 30 year, 30 plus years relationship with the queen of England and how he got there and how she got there and their parallel lives. And, you know, in the last episode, 243, dad did um, a wonderful chat about the documentary. We literally sat him down. He watched the draft of it. You know, it was the one that was submitted to the festival. And then he gave his impression. So if anybody wants to go back to that and listen to that, it was it was really good when you hear it from the person that, that the story is about. Um, today is about the premiere. So what does it look like on the red carpet and all that stuff? It was really fun. So we get on the airplane because dad was like, I don't know. What am I going to do in New York City? I go, you're going to watch the film. But I already watched the film. But... <laughs> <laughs> There's some of those conversations that go on, but he um, he did have fun getting there was not so much fun, but being there was a lot of fun. And we stayed in a hotel nearby and uh, we literally we flew in on Wednesday, watched the premiere that night on Thursday and flew home on Friday. We're home by, you know, bedtime. So it was it was pretty whirlwind. But the the thing that people don't get to do very often, and I have to say, I was just like, um you know, starstruck is to be in New York City right before Thanksgiving where everything is a glitter and a glow and your night starts um, later, you know, and all these people are dressed in a theme because the festival kind of encourages people doing, um, I don't know, costuming, I guess. And Mm -hmm. the Cowboy and the Queen is perfect for that, right? Because everybody came dressed, pretty much everybody came dressed as either 
the cowboy or the queen theme. And so what's oh, a, that's funny. <laughs> isn't that fun? The queen, the queen theme was like a lot of people found tiaras somewhere. I'm not sure where you buy a tiara, but a lot of people did. And that was kind of cute. So they'd wear royal red or royal blue or whatever and, and a tiara. And so that was the red carpet. And the place was packed. Everybody else was in what I consider more comfortable clothes <laughs> and it was the western theme so we had fun with that too everybody's wearing hats and and all that so we had the director the she's she's a visionary andrea nevins and we had graham clark who did most of the photography and and the videographer and um then so many people that were related to the the research that goes behind these things because there's facts checker fact checkers everywhere when you have a documentary That's nobody true, wants to yeah. get mm-hmm, yeah. nobody wants to get caught with a you know uh, that was a good story but you know because then it's not a documentary it's a movie that right. <laughs> you do so there's so much historical footage in it which is I know I said it wasn't a historical story but it's like flashbacks almost mm-hmm. you know they as he as as the movie goes or the documentary goes, they're telling the story, but they'd flash back to what was Queen Elizabeth doing when she was nine? What was Monty doing when he was, She's he's younger than her, but at nine, what he was doing. So those parallel lives that we talked about in the last episode um, were vibrant on the screen. And I hope people get to see it. So this is coming out in this episode will be out December one. And the Vimeo link that I've, I have right now is uh, going to be for the festival and it cuts off after November 26th. So I'm hoping I can up maybe update the show notes or something when we do have something further. So, so um, right, right mm-hmm. now as we're mm-hmm. recording this, as we're it's recording available on Vimeo. So yeah. by the time our episode hits, mm-hmm. is it just going to be on Vimeo, but it would be a different link or is it going to be on a completely different streaming service? I think it's good. It, I think on a different streaming surface because the festival itself, you know, it's kind of like when the theaters were closed down and the, and the theaters, some theaters or some money was being made by streaming as opposed to in theater, but it was kind of a hybrid. Mm-hmm. It's like that right now. You could buy tickets to see it at the theater last week, but you could also, if you couldn't make it to the theater, you could also buy streaming. Well, that only, that expires November 26th. So it's the festival that's actually promoting that right now, which is fine. I don't think they, I think they charge 10 bucks or something, the typical kind of streaming thing. And after that, I think the whole push, Jen, was to get word of mouth, people's choice, uh, get it buzzing about this, the queen and the cowboy, so that distribution can be determined. So I guess home run would be Netflix. You know, it's one of those large, large international distribution lists because we st- we had people all over the Facebook pages and the Instagram pages saying, how do we watch it? And we're sending this link through as quickly as possible because that's going to add to the momentum, right, of more people talking about it. And it was interesting what the producer said. She, um, she said, you know, bad news travels very quickly because people are looking for bad news. Good news builds incrementally until it's a big thing. So, it, you know, it, you have to grind it out with something that's stirs people like the queen a quote from the queen in the movie or in the documentary i keep calling it a movie because i guess it is a movie she's a filmmaker but this is technically a documentary the queen says in there that in one of her speeches which they used uh, the footage of she said that 
the word inspire actually comes from taking your breath away or sucking in air, you know? And I think that's kind of cool for everything that she did too, that if you inspire people or you're inspired, it means you kind of, you know, that's wonderful. And I think you can only get that word of mouth inspired when something is really wonderful. And that's what we saw. There, It was sold out. People were clamoring and trying to take our tickets. <laughs> Literally, can we buy your tickets? Wow. And yeah, so that was really cool. In a really cool theater in, you know, Greenwich Village. It's the lower Manhattan area. And um, so we, the red carpet is right outside the elevators where you're going up to see the the actual room that you're being screened in and it was packed. I'm not bad at guessing names. Dad's really good at that because he can size up an audience pretty quickly, but I'd say it was um, two to 500 people in there. Um, And yeah, and, and there was not a dry eye, but there was not, you know, there was laughter, there was crying, there was the whole thing too. It's beautiful. And I'd say the, if for people who are worried about any violence with animals, you know, because they're, it's always going to be some footage of here's traditional horse training, right? Yeah. And there, there were a couple of little short spurts, but I did ask people who have told me I can't watch a film with any animal getting yeah. hurt, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And even those that were very sensitive said, no, it was okay. It wasn't gratuitous. It would, it made its point and moved on. So for anybody who's a little afraid of that, it was okay. They, they handled it really well. And they knew what they were doing that way too. They know that there's an audience there that is compassionate and loves their animals and wants people to understand that better too. And yeah. if you hit them well, over for, the head. For people yeah. who have no clue, they haven't the first clue, mm. the difference that there are differences. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to visually for the audience to say, mm-hmm. you have to compare. It's like, you can't tell the difference between a Douglas fir and a slash pine. Mm-hmm. If you've never seen no. a Douglas fir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, right. What, what's different about a Douglas fir? I don't know. I've never seen one, so mm-hmm. you need to be able to, in some way that is sympathetic to the audience's mm-hmm. emotions, because it can be a trigger for people. Mm-hmm. This is what it shouldn't look like, and this is what it has looked like in the past. Mm-hmm. And then that makes more sense, right? Yeah. You know? Can't I wish it was all exist. in the. Yeah, which was all in the past. Unfortunately, there's a little, a little bit still going on, and people are um, okay with that in certain areas, and and that's I guess what we're trying to suss out. You know, that's what we're trying to shine a light on a little bit is um, those areas where it still is a little rough on horses, and um, and our the goal of the movie is not really to say shame on you or anything like that. The goal of the movie really is to tell the story of a monarch who was raised with horses, loved horses her whole life and found that to be her passion outside of what she did very well, which was be a monarch for decades and decades, longest running monarch for sure, but even world leader, (laughs) really close to the longest running world leader ever. So um, that, that is the story and how she adopts a, a, a common person, you know, to learn from them. I, I think that says a lot about her too, um, because England has the BHS, the British Horse Society, and the books, and the, you know, they really do go f- way, way back with horsemanship and are proud of it and have quantified it and feel that they are cutting edge. So for her to embrace, as Dad says, a California cowboy, is pretty, pretty novel, pretty. Um, 
counterintuitive for for tradition. So what did she see? What did she hope to see? And what did she see? A lot of that is answered in the in the film. But I think probably one of my favorite parts is when there's a hot mic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's a hot mic where when we were over at Buckingham Palace and dad was doing a young Philly for uh, a, a kind of a fundraiser for the Brook Animal Hospital. It was uh, the Brook Animal uh, Welfare Group that was started by Dorothy Brook after World War II with the horses left over in Egypt and, and the Middle East. Um, so it goes way back. And they were doing a fundraiser with just all these very empathetic, wonderful, and probably fairly wealthy um, people that were there and given uh, access to to that fundraiser. And dad did this little filly and she just did beautifully. And afterwards, um, Camilla, who's now queen, and her majesty came out of the, the stands there and had a quiet moment with dad. You know how they do sometimes have those royal quiet moments for a second. <clears throat> but there was a mic on it. And she did ask. Now, um, this is this has gone over to the people side and help people too, right? Yes, thank you. You know, it was the opportunity for her to say that out loud to Dad, asking the question, which she had already given him an MVO for, so she knew very well. But Camilla was there and didn't know that much about it too. So she spent her whole uh, relationship with Dad pushing that agenda out there to the edges without hitting anybody over the head with it or shaming anybody, but certainly promoting a, a better way to do work with horses that actually helps people too. Yes. It, yes. In a lot of different ways. It's yes. Mm-hmm. Cause you would think, well, mm-hmm. it helps people because people treat horses better, but mm-hmm. it helps people because it helps people. It can help people mm-hmm. treat people better. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it's a great example. Horses are a great example for people. So anyway, that was fun too. It all came out in the film, and I think people were were are gonna just love it. And they were overwhelmed by it. People came out with tears and um and vowing that they're gonna get this thing out there too. So um, pray for it. Yeah. <laughs> pray well, for it. we're watch this space because yep. as we record our episode, it is available on Vimeo. But by the time this episode drops, it will probably not be on Vimeo anymore. But keep listening to Horsemanship Radio because the moment it's mm-hmm. available for public consumption, we will let you know exactly. how Thank and you. where. Yes. Perfect. Yes. You will love it. And right after we hear from our title sponsor, Hands On Gloves, the cleverest way on earth to groom your pets, mm-hmm. we're going to hear from our guest. Well, I'm sitting here today with Jay Michelson of Hands-On Gloves, and we were talking today about the horse that has sensitive skin or the animal that has sensitive skin, Jay, and I I wanted you to help me address that a little bit. I know you've got some features to your products, but I know you know more about it than I do. So what do you do? What do you say to the, the owner that has somebody with sensitive skin? Our gloves are made from surgical grade nitrile. So that makes them chemical-resistant, mildew-resistant, because you can bathe with them, too. They're made to get wet. Um, But across the board, there's no latex in them. So it's great for any animal, any people that have latex issues. There's no latex in it. 
they're just your hands. And if you have a thin-skinned horse or dog, they're, they're cats, other animals. There are many animals that don't like to be touched in certain areas. But having the gloves on, it's just your hands. You get immediate feedback if you get to an area of that animal that is sensitive. And you can apply less pressure in those areas, and you can apply more pressure in the other areas. Um, we have professional grooms that work from us. Um, they groom for Olympians across the board, and these guys are phenomenal. And they did a study on mainly thoroughbreds, thin-skinned thoroughbreds, mm -hmm. and they found out that most people are grooming too light. <laughs> oh, interesting. And they're tickling the, the horses. And went in and applied just a little more pressure, and the horses loved it. Uh, and that's kind of some of our experience with it. We, we have all kinds of animals and experience with that. I think you can throw these in the wash machine. Am I right? You can. Next time you bathe your animals with them, use the gloves. A little bit of soap suds up all the way. And what we do after we bathe our animals with them, we rinse them off, hang them out to dry, and they go back to new. Um, you can throw them in the washing machine. Um, just don't put them in the dryer. And okay. um, just throw them in the washing machine. Hang them out to dry, and they go back to new. Well, Jay, how do people find out about you? Handsongloves.com. Claire Cousins is from the UK. She's a native, and so she started working with native Exmoor ponies. And she thought she would give us a little primer today about carriage driving and cart driving. And, and we'll talk a little bit about her background in that and how she became a Monty Roberts certified, well, she's not certified yet, so advanced student, but she's in her internship teaching right now. So we're really happy to bring on Claire Cousins. Well, welcome back, Claire. I'm so glad to have you back on the show, and I'm glad to have you back on the farm. We did about a month ago or something, too. How are you now back in the UK? I'm well, thank you. Yeah, good. <laughs> Good. I'm so glad you agreed to do this, too. But we had some fun. We had Chris Morris out here from the UK instructing with the intro course. And you're here um, running. You, you're a graduate now of the advanced course, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that means that you were invited to do the internship as well. So you're interning worldwide. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. about... Uh, halfway through it, I think. <laughs> yeah, we should say that those that are wanting to be certified or have the talent and ability to be certified have to go through a pipeline of teaching after they've become advanced course graduates. That does that means you could do everything really well that Monty teaches enough to be certified, but you now have to learn how to teach it. And you did a great job helping Chris with the courses and it's a great it's a great way to do it is to follow these guys around the world you get a little trip to california right yeah, exactly yeah so yeah so so far i've been to germany wales and california <laughs> my internship so yeah That's fun, <laughs> fun stuff too um and in the course of doing that you were talking about driving carriage driving and a lot of people are pretty darn intimidated by getting off the back of the horse and starting to put some carts around them. And so I said, well, we'd love to have you on the podcast to talk a little bit more about the conversation we started when you were over here. So give us a little background on your carriage driving. And um, so I started probably not that long ago, actually, probably in like 2018, I think it was. Um, 
my friend did it more than I did when she was younger. Um, she used to compete quite a bit, um, just in the local area. Um, so I started helping her. So when you're carriage driving, you have to have a backstepper, it's called, or a groom, mm-hmm. um, who goes on the back of the carriage. And sort of in the competitions, you're balancing the carriage around like any tight turns or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they get into difficulty, then you can get off and help or just stand at the horse's head or something. Um, so I started helping just with her doing that. Um, and the pony that she used to drive, he was at a yard quite near to me, about half an hour away. Um, a man called Dick Carey. Um, so he had a team of ponies. <laughs> mm. And he, he's really he's like a really generous, really nice person. Um, and he just wants people to do well and have fun with the ponies. Mm-hmm. Um, so he sort of invited me along with help as well. Um, so I kind of got into it myself. Um, mm-hmm. And then I ended up with one of his little ponies. Bo, who I've still got now. Um, uh-huh. When you say ponies, yeah, define for us what, what you mean by ponies too. Is it just about the size? Is it the actual breeds that you have over there? What is that? Um, so the breed that he has are the Welsh ponies. They're Welsh section Bs. Um, they're about 12, 12, 3, 12 pounds 3 mm-hmm. um, bowies. So they're all a similar sort of size for that really. Mm-hmm. so not too intimidating <laughs> no but people do drive like the bigger horses even in the competitions um and also the small ponies as well like poppy <laughs> like poppy yeah we should talk about yeah. poppy too but um but when you say um i mean it, does somebody start with a smaller horse is that part of the process or does it really matter uh no no it doesn't really matter um some people just start with the bigger horses um, the bigger Welsh ponies, the Welsh Section Ds, are quite popular for carriage driving because um, they look so beautiful. <laughs> mm, that's true. They um, are. They are pretty. But also in the competitions, it's usually split into pony classes and horse classes. Mm. So if you've got a smaller horse that's a bit whizzier around everything, then <laughs> timing-wise, that's a good thing. <laughs> mm, yes. <laughs> they sort of zip around. Um, against like some of the bigger horses so mm-hmm. yeah we, you know like i don't them. i don't know that we've had any instructors that were into the driving do you do you know of any other instructors that were driving no i don't think i do oh no. you 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 dri- struck out and and created a new area for you. Well, uh, how did you get into the how did you find monty and what what made you want to be a certified instructor um, so my mother actually, she used to follow a lot of Monty's methods um, when she, because we had horses from quite a young age, um, and some slightly trickier ones as well that had come from not, I don't know, did you say rescue? I'm not sure. Um, they weren't from rescue centres, um, but they were sort of on their last chances with people. <laughs> oh yes. So we took on two boys actually, two brothers. Um, and we just sort of naturally used those methods, although we didn't understand the whole of it, like how the horse um, sees, like like what their reward is. Like I never knew that side of it, um, but a lot of it, it was quite similar, like with the gentle approach and mm-hmm. not hand feeding and things like that. Like we mm-hmm. kind of learned that. I guess the horses taught us that as well. Like <laughs> yes, they do. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, my mother used to follow Monty. She used to read his books and things. 
Um, and then we went to one of his tours. Me and my sister went along to one, to one of the tours um, in Guildford, I think. Um, yeah, so we just sort of found it quite interesting. Um, and you wanted to go further. I guess you wanted to yeah. learn more about the curiosity of Equus the language. Yeah, and we discovered um, Chris Morris because mm -hmm. there was a group of us. So we run a livery yard between myself and my sister. Um, and there was like a group of people here that were having issues with their horses. Um, so we had one that was sort of pulling away and another was that was quite aggressive towards people. Um, so we brought him in for a day for the horse psychology course, like just out of interest, really. We just decided that we wanted to learn more um, and also to do some sessions with our horses. Um, and then after that, I wanted to carry on. I wanted to do the join up and the long line in. And mm -hmm. <laughs> then I was like, well, I'm going to do the intro course. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then once I got that far, I was like, yeah, I just wanted, I couldn't get enough of it. <laughs> I kept watching it all the YouTube um, videos of Monty and had a bit of an obsession. So oh. yeah, I was just really <laughs> excited to carry on. <laughs> Great. I love when people get obsessed about their horses and the horse psychology and, you know, dad is there. He's present for you. Yeah. That's good. And so, yeah. so because we're going to specifically focus on carriage driving or starting your horse there, where should somebody start? If they say like, you know, I've been riding horses for 20 years, but I've never tried my hand at a little cart driving or anything. Where should I start? Um, so we start with the long line in, um, just get the horse used to having the lines there and the commands from on the ground, really, and behind them. Um, and then obviously get them used to the harness that they have to wear because that's slightly different to like saddle and bridle. Um, that generally they have blinkers on, um, and the harness sort of goes round behind them, and you've got the traces which are what attaches to the carriage. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, they, they have to get used to all of that, and also pressure behind them, um, which is kind of like the brake on the carriage so if you were going downhill or something mm -hmm. um there's a lot of pressure around their back legs mm -hmm. um that they get used to because they wouldn't never have felt that before really right um, right so how do you get them used to that do you do you actually have something built that they wear or do you use cards yeah so they have like a harness um which has got like the, it's called the breaching that goes around the oh, back. Oh, right, right. Okay. Yeah, so we're just getting used to wearing that really. Um, mm -hmm. And then you can do things like in the arena, um, pulling a tie around or something. So at first you would you would hold it and you would pull it with, with you and see like the reaction to it and that. And then, mm -hmm. yeah, then they'd get used to the, obviously the weight of pulling something as well. Um, and the carriage where it, um, attaches to like the saddle pad in the middle they're like solid the shafts are like solid so they'd have to get used to those as well um, so yeah it's just introducing things slowly and like one step at a time really mm -hmm. um, so overwhelm them <laughs> yeah incremental is always a good word do you do you is there something that you're looking for in a good cart horse that um you think oh well he just has the disposition for it or he has the i know the build like frisians are wonderful to pull <laughs> but you don't always get a frisian to pull a, a cart yeah. so what are you looking for and maybe their personalities or maybe even their builds yeah. i guess 
prefer a horse that's like quite calm in its nature um not probably not too flighty um and also like there's been a, there was a horse here that had driven a carriage before supposedly um but he tends to if he sees something he doesn't like he would like stop and spin round and oh. bolt in the opposite um which obviously like that sort of thing in a carriage is quite dangerous mm, yeah <laughs> um, so I guess I mean you could get the horses accustomed to a lot of things um like the spook busting is quite good for all of that it's getting used to seeing as much as possible really out out and about um and also horses other horses in carriages um because they're always a little bit freaked out when they see another horse in a carriage. Oh, I, I, I guess that makes sense. I hadn't thought about that either. Is it better to go, I mean, once you're out of the arena, let's say you've got the, the bolting over with or, or used to the shafts or whatever, and you take your, is it better to go on a narrow trail so that you, you sort of have a corridor? Or is it better to stay, you know, on an open area where you can, I don't know, adjust? <laughs> I mean, I'd prefer to be in an open area where you can sort of turn them away from things and have the space to do it. Because the tighter the turn they did spin, um, the more likely the carriage would go over. Mm-hmm. Um, but also you'd have to have, I mean, I never go out unless I've got an experienced groom with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if people are good with horses, it's like they need some sort of training to be like your backstepper. Mm-hmm. Um, you could like that's what I find the most difficult really is someone to come out with me although I've got a couple of people so I'm really lucky (laughs) oh yeah that's true so you always have to go out in twos it's like playing tennis by yourself can't really do it yeah exactly (laughs) yeah you feel like quite vulnerable if you are out Mm -hmm. with someone that's got um that experience like you need to know that they can help yeah an emergency (laughs) yeah I mean it's nothing so wrong um it's just it's fun they're really yeah. fun and and do, yeah, you, do you do you compete now um a little i mean i just do it for fun really uh, bo likes the outdoor competitions in the summer that are on the grass and we've got a bit more of an obstacle course where we've got like banks and ditches and the water obstacles so he loves all of that and he loves the country around the fields <laughs> mm, yeah uh, a beautiful area so they do like serious competitions in the winter where you can qualify for the finals um, and they're all in arenas and that's really, really popular. Um, but I mean, my pony's not overly keen on that. He finds it quite difficult to pull the carriage round on tight circles. So, <laughs> Yeah. So around yeah. cones, obstacles, do you go up yeah. and over things and all that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I mean, we just do it for a bit of fun. Um, and a little bit of showing I've done in the past, but not so much now because there's not many places that do it anymore. Um, mm-hmm. It's more like the older generation that we're doing the carriage driving. We don't seem to have that many juniors coming through, which is sad. Oh yeah, it's a shame. Same. What do yeah. you What do you say? And I, why do we say it's a shame? I I hate to lose any kind of art form, but do you feel like that it's there's some advantage to people, uh, maybe even the relationship with their horses in a cart or a carriage as opposed to on the back yeah yeah and also it's great for ponies um where the person's outgrown them or something Mm, um so then they can continue to drive that pony if they can't ride it anymore then they can take up the carriage driving um 
So yeah, it would be good. There's quite a lot of competitions and driving clubs in the area. I think there's just not enough driving people. There's not enough people doing it. Um, it's mm-hmm. like anything really more yeah. difficult now um, with time and money and everything. Well, yeah, that's always true with horses. But um, we need some influencers then. We need some young, like, I don't know, famous people or something <laughs> that will be influencers for, for us. Yeah. What do you think would be a, a cool innovation with driving that might actually bring more youth to it? I think they should do like a driving school where people can come and have a go um, and sort of do it more regularly. I think there probably are some, but not in this area. So yeah, okay. I haven't quite far. Um, That's a great. But yeah, I think. I, I sort of yeah, that, and build a little community of it. Yeah, see if they like it. I, yeah. I think I think you're yeah. onto something. I see the marketing arc right now. <laughs> I think what you do is you say, "Can't get your driver's license? Too young for a driver's license, but you can drive a yeah. pony." So there you go. <laughs> we did a day actually at our place with the local carriage driving club, um, and they brought us a couple of ponies down with their owners. And they let people actually have a go on them. And that was really good. That was really popular. Um, I think people kind of want to see if they enjoy it first um, before they get all the all the gear. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But yeah, that's hopefully true. we can encourage them more. <laughs> yeah, before they torture their pony. Yeah, I get it. Yes. <laughs> well, Claire, this is really fun. I'm so glad that you're, you're helping banging the gong for for driving carriage driving cart driving what do you call it uh we call it carriage driving carriage driving yeah 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 it looks fun with all the hats and everything too right yeah yeah so everyone dresses up like really smart for the showing (laughs) there we go another thing costuming it yeah it's part of this too which is and the ponies look so cute with their little blinders and blinkers and on and everything too so yeah well thanks for sharing a little bit with us about that thank you for chris and you giving us a little primer when we were back here and uh <laughs> and i can't wait to see you here soon i think you will be yeah, i hope so <laughs> yeah thanks claire well thanks for being on horsemanship radio with us Imagine if you could take Monty to the barn with you. Watch and learn as he addresses each challenge with your horse and answers your questions too. You head to the arena and you work on each new lesson knowing Monty's there to encourage you, all with violence-free, tried-and-true methods. After all, he's been helping train horse lovers all his life. With his online university, you could be like Kathy, a retired teacher who just brought her first horse. Recently, I went to a tack shop to look for a smaller halter. I'm 61, just purchased my 14-hand POA the day after my birthday, just a few weeks ago, after never having had a horse. And yes, that's crazy, but as a retired teacher who never had a hobby other than teaching, I decided to go for it. My hubby and I have taken lessons this past year, but I really longed for a relationship with a horse. Um, The only other experience I'd ever had was to ride a horse in Philly, Pennsylvania, my hometown, when I was 16, and I got bucked off, and that was it, (laughs) until I was 61. Um, Well, the owner of this tax shop, um, this is Precious Lady, 84-year-old lady, gave me a copy of this magazine, Equine Monthly. 
And the article I read in it was horses are biofeedback beings. And it was just so interesting. I really felt like I just found a pot of gold when I read it because in it, it talked about Monty's online university and that I could have access to 575 videos for $10 a month. And before that, I was just searching YouTube for everything I could find. But truthfully, that's just a pain. Um, I love that the uni videos are concise and they're in order. Um, They have extra notes and a quiz. And I just can't thank you enough for the huge blessing of your online university. It really has changed my life and I will never be the same. Um, I've had my horse Jack now for seven weeks and Thanks to the videos, I've done join up with him, and it really worked like a dream. Uh, I had to do it in an arena, but it still worked. Thanks to Monty's lessons and the cues and the hand signals, um, the ability to watch the lessons over and over on demand is incredible. So I also want to thank you so very much for making the online university affordable for this retired teacher. Thank you so much for all that you do for everyone who really wants to love a horse. Kathy. Well, Claire's just lovely. Isn't she adorable? I I just had so much fun with her when she was out here with Chris Morris, our certified instructor, who she actually started her education with before she... I didn't know that. Yeah, she did. They live pretty close to each other. Her livery stable that she runs um, is right close there. But um, Now, stop there. Stop there. Yeah. Explain what a livery stable is. I know. Isn't that cute? Yeah. Well, you have liver and you have onions. No, it's not. (laughs) Livery in England is basically what we would call an equestrian center or a boarding center, you know, a a place where they take horses in. It's not where you go for liver and onions. Just putting that out there. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So that's really cool that, that, because this is the first time I've hanged, I'm sure this happens all the time, where you have... A, you have Monty Roberts, and then you have a Monty Roberts certified instructor, but then you have a Monty Roberts certified instructor bringing further instructors into the fold. You know, it's it's gone generational. That's cool. Yeah, absolutely. So she went through her advanced exams and everything last spring, and then she's now been putting in her time uh, teaching under, right? You're basically Mm -hmm. teaching in front of your, and she's teaching in front of her very first guy, you know, which is kind of pressure, but it was really fun because we have this little white mini who's tiny. She's poppy and she's our like mascot, I guess, (laughs) the farm, but we, she's actually certified. We use her in the programs for our horses and healing and our lead up with the, the youth um, that have been subjected to violence. But she used to, in a previous life, she went into hospitals and, and, um, Oh, retirement homes and things like that. She's just super. She doesn't, you know, defecate on anybody. She's got it all trained. I don't know how they do all that, but I'm learning from her how precious that is. And we said, I think she used to pull a cart. I have a photo of her with ribbons and everything. And I said, what would you do, Claire? Because I know that you pull carts and you do carriage driving. And Chris Morris has actually worked with her on that. So Chris, being the instructor, said, oh, I'll show you. Now, here's the funny part. I mean, she stands about, what, 24 inches high? (laughs) She's pretty tiny. (laughs) She is little. (laughs) For a mini, she's pretty tiny. And she's perfectly proportioned and everything. So she looks good. But this was a little Gulliver's Travels moment because 
Chris is about six, I don't know, one or two at least. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> tall. So he's trying to show us we've got the little reins for her and everything. We've not had her pull a cart yet, but we've got the harness and everything. And so he said, let me show you how we start. And I said, great. And he gets on his hands and knees. <laughs> Because he he couldn't do it from above and bend over. He was so darn tall and he'd probably wreck his back. So he gets on his hands and knees and he, you know, does a a few little um, moves forward and then teaches her back with this, you know, we basically had her on a dually halter, Jen, too. A little mini purple, of course, (laughs) mini halter. And um, then he said, here's what we're going to do, though. I'm going to put Debbie behind, that'd be me, and you're going to hold the the reins. And then um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make patterns here and you're going to follow me. And then sometimes I'm going to tell you to split and I'm going to go one way and you're going to go another so that she has a bit of an anchor. So this is starting a horse to carriage driving, right? Mm -hmm. But just from the ground. So she has a bit of an anchor. We go around and he's, he's, she's, we're following Chris and we're going on the reins and then at some point he's giving me directions before it happens of course but then I make a turn and we do a bit of a figure of eight and then we link back up again so that she feels that anchor again so that she begins and she's probably laughing at us you know because she knows what she's doing but she begins to feel like oh I can listen to Debbie hold the reins in the hands you know and I can also split away from Chris too. But at first, you know, Chris could have even held her by the reins except he's too tall. <laughs> but, you know, so you want to, you want to support that horse through these things as their brain starts to get into it even more. And then you'll hear in, you heard in Claire's interview that they, then they have to start touching things and feeling things. But the first thing they do is, is about the leading and about the understanding and the communication from our hands to their lips. And it was really, it was really fun to do because I could see her little brain thinking and it, you know, it felt a little coordinated with us too. So that was kind of fun. I, I like that tip. That's yeah. Neat. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Wow. There we go. There we go. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say a word. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place than The magic in the language of the herd. Dear Monty, What do you think about children using whips? My daughter, who is eight, abandoned the ponies and rides big horses now. She is quite small for her age, and when she's sitting in the saddle, her feet hardly touch the horse's body. In the school where she rides, she is asked to carry and use a whip in order to make the horse react when she cannot use her legs and feet. I don't always agree with that method because the horse can have a negative reaction. What is worse is that she takes the whip as a toy sometime and even whips her Barbie horses when playing. As you say, the whip can do more harm than good. So what is the alternative? Monty's answer. Trust is the critical foundation for communicating in the language of the horse I call Equus. Without trust, the flight animal cannot become a willing partner. 
I'd recommend that you provide this young child with a soft giddy-up, which is made from cotton fibers braided into a thick rope. At one end is a tassel, and the other a loop that fits over the wrist. The rope can be swung in an arc across the horse in front of the rider, meeting the horse just behind the rider's legs. Due to the nature of the material and the type of braiding, the rope cannot cause pain. The rider should swing the giddy-up rope left and right across the midline of the horse in a rapid back-and-forth motion. With blinkers in place, the rider should be patient and continue this motion, increasing in intensity while waiting for the horse to take any free steps forward. The rider should be diligent and watch for a positive response. The instant forward motion is achieved, the rider should cease to swing the giddy-up rope and stroke the neck of the horse in congratulation. The rider might use clucking or chirping sounds during the use of the giddy-up rope to add to its effectiveness. By sending both visual and auditory cues, you are likely to achieve the desired result. It is extremely important for any horseman to be reasonable in his demands where workload is concerned. You must never demand from a horse to the extent that you discourage his generosity. There is virtually no way to clearly outline here what is reasonable or unreasonable. It is, however, important that the horse owners seek advice of professionals about the extent of the workload. There are horses who can handle a heavy workload, and then there are those who are a great deal more fragile. We must be diligent to watch for the signs of discontent when making demands on the energy reserves of our horses. Almost every balker that I am asked to work with turns out to be a horse that resists backing up. For some reason, many horsemen seem to think that schooling a horse to back up will cause him to be a balker. Nothing could be further from the truth. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to MontyRoberts.com and click on the words Ask Monty at the bottom of the page. Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged, in December. Here we are. The Mountain Trail Day is December 9th. And then in January, we have 8 through 12, the Gently Wild Horse Course. And I think we might get Claire for that, by the way, too. And then January 20, we have a Mountain Trail Play Day here. And then January 27 is Horsemanship 101. Jump into February. It's our favorite one to film and learn so much on. February 5 through 9 is Monty's special training. So be there. Dun, dun, dun. You can find mm-hmm. all of that and more at MontyRoberts.com, including this here, this here podcast. That's on the right there on the homepage. MontyRoberts.com is sort of the mothership. <laughs> everything Monty Roberts and everything Equus can be found there. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the place to start. If you'd like to be old school or maybe call and find out what's going on and make a visit to Flag is Up Farms, because, yes, it is open to the public during regular business hours, you can call 805-688-6288. And for details about today's show, as I said, MontyRoberts.com or HorsemanshipRadio.com, where you're going to find links to today's guests and topics. And we love your feedback. A great way to give that to us is on social media. Facebook, the page is Monty Roberts, the one with the little blue check mark, because everything officially Monty Roberts is a called officially Monty Roberts. <laughs> yes. And on, on Twitter as well as Instagram, it's Monty underscore Roberts. 
That's right. Many thanks to our sponsors as well. That's Jay Michelson over at handsongloves.com and Monty Roberts University. Com. Be sure to visit all the other great shows, too, on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours. And for those of you who were courageous enough to listen to the end of the show... Uh, hot tip for you. If you're one of those people like me who likes to be able to ride without a bit on your bridle, great way to do it is with a dually halter. It's a multitasker. It's a great training tool, and you can you also use it to ride without a bit. And you can find them at MontyRoberts.com, and they come in lots and lots of sizes for every size and shape of horse. Thanks, Coach Jen.